Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keane. I'm Phil Dobby, and today, corporate tax. How much does it influence the behavior of multinational companies? Do we need it? And what would happen if we got rid of it altogether? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast. Well, President Trump has been trying, of course, to drop corporate tax from 35% to 20%, which would bring it in line with corporate tax in the UK. But, of course, over the water in Ireland, the corporate tax rate is just 12.5% for trading income, which is why they're doing so well at attracting international companies. So is Trump right on this then? I mean, on clearly he is. High tax is penalising business. It's forcing them offshore. Uh, it makes sense to cut corporate tax, doesn't it, Steve? But what, what about getting rid of it altogether? Well, this is the in- intriguing uh, thing because you know some of what's coming out of the maelstrom called Trump um, you know, is, is, is obviously sheer chaos. But other times, some of the things he says and ends up doing uh, for reasons that might be quite nefarious in their actual background actually make sense. And one of them is this whole issue of should, should we be taxing corporations? Should we be taxing? Uh, what, what is the role of taxes at all? And um, this is one of the most, you, know, you, you would have heard of modern monetary theory by talking to me often enough. Mm. But one of the, one of the initial um, uh, statements of modern monetary theory is made by an American with one of those remarkable names that sounds like it comes out of some strange, uh, who was it? Was it, was it Beardsley? Who was, well, there was actually a, a novelist called Beardsley. Right. Or an artist called Beardsley. Well, here we have Beardsley Rummel. You might think of some effete artist uh, in, in the, working somewhere in, 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 in uh, the back blocks of, the, the, of New York. In fact, he's chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York in 1945-46, and he was actually responsible. He was chairman before that period, so he's involved during the, the Second World War when the government dramatically expanded this level of activity to, to uh, build the armaments to take on, first of all, the Japanese and then the Germans. And he argued in 1945-46, quote-unquote, this is the title of the article, taxes for revenue are obsolete. Right. This is the uh, governor, former governor of the Reserve, for the, the Federal Reserve for, of New York saying this. He was governor at the time, chairman right. of the Federal Reserve Bank, so effectively Alan Greenspan, though not, not in the, um, not in the, the overall leading yeah. of the Federal Reserve itself, but of the, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And his argument was that we think about, and we still do it today. This is the, one of the frustrating things for people who've been working, trying to bring some sense to modern, to, to, to how we think about money in the modern world. And his argument was back in 1946 that we don't need taxes at all to finance government spending. Our attitude is we, uh, and this is a, a lot of people that are being opposed to dropping the corporate tax rate, say, well, if we drop the corporate tax rate, therefore we won't have the money to spend on welfare. Yeah. And so we... we and they're like a part, part of the Labor Party case in the UK has been to argue that we can um, reallocate um, taxes and reallocate spending to maintain the welfare state while still financing it. 
and coming out with a deficit of zero. Well, this is the, this is the opposition that Trump has faced and seems to have got yeah. over from from the Republicans. Is yes, yeah. it adds, also adds so much to the deficit. Worrying about the deficit and the debt ceiling, and this is the Federal Reserve, the Chairman of the Federal Reserve of New York in 1946, saying that worry is irrelevant. We simply don't need um, we don't need taxes for revenue because a a country which has its own currency and which has its own central bank uh, can, with that combination, where the currency is not convertible into either another currency or into a commodity like gold, uh, and this is quote unquote from the chairman of the Federal Reserve in 1946, it follows that our federal government has final freedom for the money market in meeting its financial requirements. Accordingly, inevitable social and economic consequences of any and all taxes have now become the primary consideration in the imposition of taxes. Uh, and so what he's saying is you have to look at the taxes not from the point of view of raising the revenue the government needs to spend because that's not what they do at all. Mm. It's saying what are the social and economic consequences right. of the taxes you have in place. So you're and using the, tax rather than as a revenue tool, and we've spoken about this before, yeah. you're using it to influence behaviour rather than uh, as a revenue tool in itself. Yeah, and, all, and also the, the, the fundamental problem, when you talk about the government being the scale it was after the Second World War, uh, when it went from, like, if you, if you go back in the, the, um, the 19th century, the American government was often equivalent to no more than 5 or 10% of the American GDP. After the Great Depression and the Second World War, we hit 30, 35%. So if the government decided not to tax at all, which is one proposition you can find in, uh, in Rummel's paper, uh, what would happen? Well, you'd have an enormous increase in the amount of money in the economy. And that would mean your currency would have to devalue because you'd have a huge rate of inflation. So this is, a, this is again, quoting from Rummel. By all as the most important single purpose to be served by the imposition of federal taxes is the maintenance of the dollar, uh, which has, a sta- has stable purchasing power over the years. Right. Sometimes it's stated as, as the avoidance of inflation without the use of federal taxation. All the other means of stabilisation, monetary policy and price controls, are unavailing. All other means, in any case, must be integrated with federal tax policy if we are to have a tomorrow a dollar which has a value near what it has today. So there he's saying the main reason for taxation is to avoid the consequences of creating too much government money, not <laughs> uh, that taxation is needed for government to have money in the first place. So even if you, you, know, you didn't follow that line of thinking and we just looked at corporate tax, because people might, you know, the idea of no taxation at all might be something that people have a bit of difficulty getting their head around, but, but corporate tax, I mean, it's such a small proportion of the total tax. So in the UK uh, last year, it brought in about £43 billion, which out of a total uh, government income of £716 billion, it's just 6% of government coffers. So small, you almost think, well, yeah. I mean, you know, aside from income tax, corporate tax, do we need it at all uh, if, if we've got all this money going to Ireland because our corporate tax is so much lower? Just go even lower and say, well, the, the new level is zero, guys. Yeah, and then you have to say, well, how do we actually bring that, uh, if, we, if we cut out one, one of the tax re- uh, revenue, uh, tax, um, not so much tax revenue, it's, it's tax as a way of taking money out of, out of circulation that's been created by government spending. Uh, if, you've, if you've taken that out, um, I mean, quite possibly, uh, you could say, well, now the amount of government money creation is roughly what the economy needs. Let's keep on going. So um, in this sense, I'm not at all worried about the corporate tax side of the tax bill. It's everything else that got attacked. Uh, I mean, for example, one, one element in the tax bill was to redefine uh, life as starting at conception. Now, I don't quite know what uh, what role of abortion has in in tax policy, but that was actually something that was sneaked into the tax bill 
by the Republicans. So, um, you know, it's I mean, the, the, fun, the fundamental idea that corporate tax uh, is not is, is you know, potentially damaging industry. Um, that's something you can find back in the 19, 1940s from the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Because we're still taxing individuals who work for a company. I mean, do we, I mean, you know, do, is there a need to tax businesses uh, when we're already taxing the individuals directly? Well, there's also the question of, I mean, a, a, again, it's a question of um, if you have government money creation on a grand scale, so that's the spending side, taxation then taking that out of circulation, uh, then a the question of how effective is that taxation in taking money out of everybody's pockets versus taking out of some people's pockets. Yeah. And uh, if you then have very ineffective at taking out of some people's pockets, it accumulates in their pockets and they get to be wealthy because they manage to evade the the, well, the, 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 the circulation effects. So you're uh, saying that I guess that's the, uh, the argument behind corporate taxes, isn't it? For the, the, for, the, uh, for, the, for the people who are owning those businesses, at least we're, yeah, we're getting it, them it there. It comes down to the also just how effective is income tax in getting money off the extremely wealthy. Mm. And again, because we're seeing, with the, first of all, the Panama Papers and now the Paradise Papers, uh, the extent to which wealthy people can arrange their tax affairs such that their tax liabilities fall in countries where they pay no tax on income or virtually no tax. And consequently, it all ends up being the working class uh, on whom the tax uh, incidence actually falls. Yeah, and again, I mean, even not just the working class, maybe the shareholder gets hit as well, because if you abolish corporate tax, then uh, what's the uh, reason not to just hang on to your profit? You certainly don't need to uh, be paying it out anywhere. You don't need to pay it in dividends uh, because uh, you're not paying tax on it anymore. Yeah, it's um, so I'm, I've got mixed feelings about the corporate tax side of, um, of, of Donald Trump's um, uh, policy. The reason for mixed feelings, of course, is because it's all in, in, in designed to increase the wealth of the people who, you know, his, his social circle, who've all managed to arrange their affairs in such a way that they don't pay tax either. Mm. So what's, what's going to happen is they have a dramatic increase in the amount of money they manage to accumulate out of the, out of the system. Uh, because they're able to evade the incidence of the taxation we're using to take the money out of circulation. Now, the question is, is there another way of taking that money out of circulation that is harder for the wealthy to evade? Well, who do you think is actually paying corporate tax in the end? Who who are well, the people who are getting hit the hardest by? Because it's it's not really the shareholder, is it? Because, I mean, the, the shareholder is uh, – you could argue that the shareholders are worse off because of corporate tax, because there's uh, less money being made by the company. There's lower dividends as a result. And, you know, if you take that to the natural conclusion, you could say, well, that's less of a, less of a reason to, to invest in particularly in new companies because the reward is reduced. So it's the, it's the proprietors of these organisations, isn't it, who are ultimately paying it? Well, in fact, there's, I mean, this is one of the important issues about, about not just taxation but about uh, debt as well. The question of the incidence of this tax, you might levy it in one place, but its incidence falls elsewhere. Mm. And I saw this like, in, in terms of doing my modelling of Minsky when I had uh, the, the very simple model that simply had corporations borrowing money uh, to finance genuine investment and workers were just simply receiving wages and, and that was it. Um, when there was a runaway debt bubble, as we've seen in the real world, and as I simulated in my model before it happened, uh, on in, in that model, it was actually the workers who ended up paying for the increase in the level of private debt. So the, 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 
the complex interactions of the economy was such that capitalists pretty much bounced along at the same level of profit all the way through. Um, the rising amount going to bankers was offset by a falling amount going to workers. So in that case, the incidence of debt payments fell on the working class, not on the on the firms that were actually doing the borrowing of the money. Now, a similar thing occurred when I brought it, the government sector in. So the government sector was then spending money based on the level of employment. So when unemployment rose, government spending would also rise, mirroring what happens in the real world. And in that situation, again, the incidence fell on the working class. The working class share of direct income also uh, dropped. But what you had was the spending was being done by the government on the working class as well. So they, what they lost in terms of, of a wager share of uh, income, they gained in terms of a larger amount of spending by the government sector. So we have to look at the incidence of these, of these things as well. And if we did have the incidence falling on workers and not falling on capitalists, then if government spending is also on workers at the same time, that if effectively compensates what they've lost out of the wage, uh, the wage bargaining situation. So I'm fairly in favour of just saying, okay, we're going to have uh, uh, these. We, we, the government is has to generate a deficit. It's it's creating the money itself. This is the Beardsley Rummel's point. It doesn't actually need um, to borrow money uh, from the private sector. It doesn't need to tax. It can simply create the money. It's then a question of how much does it create. Mm. And if the government is obsessed, the government has been with creating, this, you know, we were running, we were running surpluses. They're trying to destroy money in that case. That's really the mistake, rather than where the taxation incidence falls. Right, but the t- but tax is still needed because it's it's trying to influence behaviour and trying to ensure that we haven't got a, a runaway divide between the wealthy and the poor. And also, we do have runaway inflation, so you have yeah. that combination of right. issues. But but, I, but also to help with your balance of trade as well. So I mean, I'm thinking, this is isn't this a bit where corporate tax comes in? If you if you if you follow the the island model, then you are getting a lot of foreign investment. Is that helping your balance of trade? Hmm. Yeah. So I'm. Um, you know, I, to <laughs> me, we have to just think about redesigning the taxation system. Um, and I'm trying to figure out where corporate tax fits into it. Is it good to have yeah. it or bad to have it? So, I mean, because, you know, I started by asking you the question, do we get rid of corporate tax altogether? And, I mean, is, is Donald Trump heading in the right direction? But you could go the other way and you could argue, we're getting more automation now and it's very easy, you know, it's becoming easier to set up if you've got the capital to set up a company that's not employing people, uh, in which case, you know, you're keeping all of that profit yourself. You could say, well, there's an argument you should be increasing corporate tax, reducing income tax. So we're making company money from those companies that are not employing many people and and stopping them generating so much wealth it's uh, it, it's unbalancing the economy yeah and this is the the other possible way to look at it is say well you know we, we what is what is the role of taxation it's to take money out of circulation we don't want to leave in circulation what is that level um would a transaction tax work just as well as an income tax in doing that and so transaction taxes could be paid by the corporation, um, uh, yeah. you know, like, like a, a corporate version of VAT. And then with, when, we, when you fine-tune that, so you simply stop the um, – you, you, you set a target for the amount of additional money the government's going to create each year by its spending. And, and that becomes the, the major reason for setting a, a tax um, regime rather than thinking you've got to finance government spending in the first place. 
Now, that could mean um, taxes on corporations based on transactions because corp- taxes based on corporate profits are much easier to relocate overseas and that causes the sort of dilemmas we see within uh, uh, with uh, Ireland on one side with the Cayman Islands and the whole Paradise Papers and, and so on. It's all done because you can, you can evade income tax by relocating where your income is, is allegedly earned. You can't relocate the transactions. So I'm very tempted to consider bringing in a, starting off with a system which has transactions tax on corporations as well as, as uh, income tax, and then you end up paying whichever is the greater of the two and ultimately get to the stage where transaction tax completely replaces the corporate income tax. Right. And you could have, if you're doing that, you could have a less regressive income tax as well. You know, you could say, well, we'll use income tax as a way of ensuring that uh, uh, lower income earners are paying less in the way of tax. Um, those corporations are holding a, a greater share of the of the, of the total tax bill. I know we don't necessarily see it as a bill, but, you know, when we say, uh, you know, 6% of it is coming from corporations, the rest of it is coming from individuals, uh, you could tilt the balance the other way, I guess. Potentially. I mean, again, I'd like to, this is the sort of thing I'd like to model mm. uh, in my Minsky software in a fairly, fairly detailed way because, um, again, you, you can't know the incidence of, of something like a taxation policy in a complex system uh, just from, you know, suck it and see type statements because if you think, well, if you, if you impose it, you know, for example, in, in my I'm in Minsky model, if the firms borrow the, the, um, the money, then therefore, of course, uh, as debt rises, firms must get. A, I mean, have a, have a larger amount to pay out, so they must be the ones who pay the incidents. No, that's not what happens. It's actually the workers who end up paying by a lower wages share. So you you have to look at the yeah. um, the complex feedbacks that exist in the financial system to work out where the incidents will actually fall. But the, the the main thing to change is the mindset of believing that you need the taxation to finance government spending in the first place, and therefore if taxation is lower than you would like it to be because corporations are evading tax and the wealthy are evading tax. Therefore, you must spend less. That's the fallacy. No, you spend the same amount. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's then the impact of that spending on the domestic economy, then this is the, the inflation issue. But we are so far from the inflation issue right now that I'd be willing to, um, to, uh, to wear that consequence and, and just say... You know, it's it's liberate the thinking from the believing you actually have a debt ceiling in the first place. But Trump's thinking is right when he starts thinking about it on, on an on an international basis. That, that there is international competition and corporate tax is front and centre of that. Yeah, and that and that's you know again corporations because multinationals operate between national boundaries. They've been able to exploit this on an enormous scale. So that's where places like the Cayman Islands have, have grown into being tax havens mm. and. Uh, I remember, so you would have seen the report during the with the um, the Paradise Papers of a five-story building, I think in the Cayman Islands, that was responsible for about half the world's corporate tax or, or corporate uh, profits. Uh, I actually went there when it was it was a two-story building, and this is about twenty years ago. So corporations have been dancing their way around these limitations for for decades now, and partly the reason why the dance is so complicated is we we force to believe we need their spend, we need to tax them to get the revenue for government spending. If we get that out of our heads, then we can we can start thinking about a more sensible way of designing a taxation system. Right. And as part of it, a lower, a lower you, know, you could go, as, as Beasley Rummel recommends here, um, he said you could go to a zero rate of corporate tax because he said 
the money, I mean, again, his interpretations might be lacking um, the, the vision of a, a complex system. But he says the money taken from corporation taxes must come in one of three ways, from the people and higher prices, from the corporation's employees and wages, uh, and from the corporate stockholders in a lower rate of return. He said no matter what uh, source it comes from or what proportion, the tax is harmful to production, to purchasing power and to investment. And that's pretty much the um, the, uh, the starting point that Trump has. Right. He also mentions how the tax of on corporate profits distorts managerial judgment and uh, also, he said, double taxation, which, of course, there's, you know, you get taxed on your um, income and your corporation is also taxed on its income before it pays you dividends. So, well, we've got, we've got double or triple taxation all over the place. But, I mean, if, you, yeah, if, if, yeah. We, if we're looking at that as the argument, though, that, you know, that uh, that, that it... By getting it down to zero, you sort of won the race to the bottom when it comes to international competition. I mean, corporations have no incentive to be based in one place versus another because tax uh, has has uh, disappeared off the equation. That sort of kind of makes sense, but then that doesn't help the other side of the equation that we've been we've been talking about, which is how do you uh, how do you moderate the behaviour of the capitalists uh, and the financiers uh, who are reaping all, all the benefits and potentially then paying no tax whatsoever. Yeah, but again, uh, it's, it's, it's a case of you want to stop that accumulation building up yeah. uh, of wealth and maybe there are better means to go about it than the taxation system. Again, this is one reason I argue in favour of a modern debt jubilee because a large part of the wealth has come out of the leverage we've allowed to have behind financial assets. Now, if you use the government's money creation capability to cancel a lot of that private debt, reduce the leverage and reduce those prices, you would actually do more to attack inequality that way than you can do through the taxation system. So finally, don't you find it curious that we have the EU allowing Ireland to get away with doing what they're doing? In other words, undercutting everybody else on corporate tax. That is weird. I mean, I must admit that's one which you look at and you think – um, you know, the, the, the Irish have played a, a good game at the European Union's expense. Uh, why do they let them get away with it? Now, of course, uh, one of the uh, reform attempts inside the European Union right now is to prevent that happening. And the Irish have uh, been fighting a rearguard action against changes to corporate tax rules in um, in the European Union in general, which would which would ban the trick they've used to drag foreign corporations onto Irish soil. So I, I'm feeling a little disappointed today in that I wanted a yes or no answer. And what you're telling me when I ask the question, do we need more or less corporate tax? The, your, your answer is, well, yes, possibly. What you're saying is I, we, need, we need to model it. What you're saying is it's complicated and we need to do, do modelling on it. I'm saying that, we, that, the, that the incidence of the tax doesn't necessarily fall on the, on the group in which it's imposed. Mm. And I'd like to know that, that answer better as which way it is. But... Um, the real problem isn't the taxation side. It's believing the taxation controls what you can do in terms of spending. Yeah. And if we can get rid of that particular control, then I'm, I'd, be, you know, I'd be far less worried about a, a cut in corporate tax. The trouble is the cut in corporate tax, again, in the United States, is being tied, tied up with a cut in welfare spending as well. Yeah. And, 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 that, a, and a cut in income tax. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is unnecessary. If you say, well, that's actually, we can cut the taxation rate. We don't have to cut government spending. It's belief that one leads to the other. That's a large part of the reason we're in the chaos we're in right now.
Yeah. Well, look, it's going to be an interesting experiment to watch then, isn't it? Because uh, uh, assuming that it all goes to plan, I mean, there is a cut in income tax. There is a cut in corporate tax. There is going to be growth in uh, in, in debt in the United States. And the, and the big hope is that they will, you know, that the that the laugh of care will come into play. <laughs> they'll see their revenue go up. But in any case, they'll see their, uh, their productivity increase uh, as a result of less tax. Is that what's going to happen? Well, and that's the whole the question. Will, it, will this actually, will the money actually be end up being invested or not and that comes back to the scope this you know the, the major determinant whether you invest or not is where you expect profits and um and that comes down to the demand you're getting out of the economy and if the demand is being drastically reduced by the massive inequality in income distribution and very low wages for the workers which is where the low inflation is coming from then you won't necessarily see investment at all you'll see that money again being pocketed by the wealthy uh which is you know which we're talking Trump land here. Mm. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it, over the next couple of years. All right, mm. we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Steve. Catch you again soon. Okay. Yeah. And look, uh, if you're listening to this fresh in the last week before Christmas, have a good Christmas break uh, if you're having one. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time asking if GDP is the right measure for determining the wealth of a country. And as you might expect, Steve Keen has an alternate measure, which we'll talk about. We're going to have to wait till 2018 to find out that one. Not many, too, too many days since 2018, but that's when we're back. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. 